one piece of advice I'd give anybody is to make sure that you focus on quality uh, and to make sure that your clients are happy. Uh, I think in today's world, the quality that you deliver is, is the, the absolute most important thing that you can do because your reputation, not only is it going to be made from word of mouth, it's gonna be made from word of internet and it's gonna be up there, it's gonna be out there forever. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, uh, Mark Siebert. And uh, Mark uh, started off his journey. He got a, a master's in business. Uh, once he graduated, uh, wanted to be able to do uh, something different every day. Um, so started out uh, doing uh, some uh, work in teaching, um, or as well as um, in the Department of uh, Public Safety. Um, and then from there, moved into consulting uh, or to into a consulting firm that uh, helped businesses franchise, opened up a brokerage and also uh, helped businesses enter into the, the J Japan region of the world. Um, and then uh, also helped uh, businesses raise capital around uh, 1998. Uh, didn't like the, the direction of the, the company he was going with, decided he wanted to go in a different direction and uh, branch out on his own. So um, with that, uh, parted ways with the business, waited, uh, waited out a non-compete and, uh, and then uh, started his own business uh, helping franchises and uh, then uh, designing the companies around uh, what, uh, what's best in the industry and uh, built that out into several verticals, which is uh, a bit of what he's doing today. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Mark. Well, thanks, Devin. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Excited to have you on and looking forward to a, a great discussion. So so I just uh, took a, a much longer journey and uh, condensed in the, the 32nd version of it. But uh, why don't uh, we uh, rewind and unpack a, a bit? Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, how your journey got uh, started uh, uh, getting or coming or getting your master's degree in business. Well, you know, I was always interested in business. I was always interested in, in you know, how things worked. And uh, I thought, you know, there's no better way of, of learning how things worked than, than uh, getting into the business field. And uh, it was originally my focus was really on marketing and, and trying to figure out why people bought things. And um, as I started getting through business, I found that there was, a, uh, you know, I think a, a broader context within sort of this, the field of business that was of interest to me. And I started getting more interested in sort of finance and and uh, sort of the structure of things and uh, that sort of led to a, a more general background in business that uh, I wanted to be able to capitalize on. Hmm. So now, so you, so you're coming out of uh, getting the undergraduate, getting the business degree, and I, I said, I think you mentioned that uh, you got into maybe the, the department or department of uh, public safety and a little bit into to teaching, but uh, help me uh, walk through a little bit of, of what uh, or where that uh, started or, or or where you are headed after uh, after earning the degree. Yeah, so the the first job I got out of college was um, uh, a a worker at a company at the city of Chicago Department of Public Safety. And what we did there was to uh, do a lot of grant writing and a lot of things that um, they weren't really my cup of tea. You know, they were um, they were a good basis in terms of, of doing things, but it was all sort of 
uh, public sector and I really wanted to be in the private sector. So I did that for only a couple of years. And during that time, I was looking for something in the private sector where I could uh, be more involved in sort of sort of the business side of things as opposed to um, as, as opposed to some of the more uh, public sector type of things. Hmm. So now, so you decide, okay, you start out there, figure out, hey, this might not uh, be, uh, you know, quite my uh, cup of tea, or it's not what I want to do for a uh, long term with my life, so to speak. And so, um, walk us through a little bit. I think you uh, mentioned that you kind of switched gears from public safety over into doing uh, consulting and kind of business franchises. So, how did you, you know, that seems like it's a, a bit of a departure in a different direction. So, how did you kind of yeah. get uh, going in that direction? Well, I. The thing that had always appealed to me from back in my college days was getting into the consulting business. Uh, the thing that really appealed about that was that I could be with a different kind of business, you know, every month, maybe even more frequently than that, every every couple of weeks, I'm working with a different business on a different kind of problem. Because to me, it's all about learning and, and sort of the life's journey is about learning different things and doing different things. and. I didn't want to be stuck in something which for me would be doing the same thing over and over again for 30, 40 years and, and trying to uh, just refine just that one thing as opposed to being sort of the person who got to try my hand at, at a lot of different things in a lot of different uh, categories. And so it turned out that franchising was really a perfect fit for me because franchising is something that applies to so many different industries. We've got franchises in and people think about it as a food service business, but you've got franchises in, in medical practices these days. You've got franchises in uh, home services. You've got franchises in lawn care. You've got franchises in janitorial services. You've got franchises in carpet cleaning. You've got, you name the industry, it's franchised. Hotels are franchised. Uh, so you get a chance to get involved in so many different vertical market segments with franchising, but at the same time, the the underlying or the underpinnings of sort of the business model are always the same in that what you're looking to do is to use other people's capital to grow your business. And uh, so that was really intriguing for me to be able to take that sort of shared expertise on, uh, uh, on how to grow a business and apply it across a variety of different business formats. Hmm, makes make sense now. You know, I get that endeavor. Now, let me follow up the question, which is so franchising sounds like fun, get to do a lot of different diversity, have a lot of different impact and be able to switch between there. Now, how did you get started or how did you get into the industry? In other words, you know, there's a consulting firm that just simply just throw your, uh, you know, the resume in the stack and they chose you and they said you're awesome or kind of how did you make that transition from going from, uh, you know, public safety into the franchise industry? That's it's exactly how it happened, Devin. It, it, uh, I, um, I was actively searching for consulting firms, and the consulting firm that that I uh, happened to pick me up was a company that uh, was in the franchise space. I didn't know really anything about franchising at that time, and I just knew that I wanted to work in the consulting industry, and I wanted to work on a variety of different uh, projects throughout the course of a year and they were just a perfect fit for me. And so it worked out very well for me. Mm. 
So now, you, so you get into the the franchise business. You know, you start uh, or doing the consulting or and working for the consulting firm. And I think you know, at, at some point along the way, you also got into a brokerage company and helping enter companies enter Japan and raising capital and you know a lot of different uh, fields. So walk us through a little bit of of, of how that progressed. Yeah, that was, those were all different positions within the same company. And so basically, uh, the company was a growing company and. Uh, I just look for opportunities within that company to find ways to help them generate revenue. And they had an opportunity to do a business venture where they were helping companies uh, to grow in the Japanese market. And I put my hand up and said, you know, I'm ready to go to Japan and help sell franchises in Japan. And so we did that for a few years and, and it was very successful. And a few years later, they came and they said that they wanted to help companies to raise capital. And I raised my hand and I said, uh, I'd love to get into that. And, and so uh, I was involved in that for a few years. And then uh, they, a few years later, they said, well, you know, you've done a great job with these things. Let's make you an executive vice president. And they moved me up the ladder and uh, I continued to sort of grow in that company. Um, but as you were pointing out earlier, what ended up happening was we sort of came to a, uh, a different philosophy in terms of the way to work with some of the clients that we had. And, and uh, I wanted to grow the business by adding people that were former senior level executives of major franchise companies because I wanted to have a longer term relationship with our clients. And the, the business that I was involved with was more focused in on working with companies that were more startups in nature only. And mm. uh, they hired mostly people like, frankly, like I was when I entered, which was somebody who was a fresh, young MBA, smart, but who didn't have a lot of franchise experience on day one. And so I wanted to create something that was based on highly experienced consultants. And so I decided uh, once I ended up being the president of that company and was there, I, I helped them to develop their international operations, open them up in about a dozen different markets. Uh, but ultimately the, the challenge became, I wanted to be able to work with franchise companies longer term and decided that I wanted to remake the franchise consulting industry in a way that we could have long-term relationships with successful companies, uh, both startup franchisors and established franchisors by bringing in highly, highly experienced people that have grown businesses from the ground up, oftentimes sold those businesses for you know hundreds of millions of dollars or more uh, as part of their history. And, and that's really what we did at iFranchise Group. So now, so maybe just rewinding just a little bit. So, I mean, you mentioned business started going in a different direction, said, okay, you know, I can either, you know, I've done a lot of work, done a lot of things to build this. I can either try and, you know, change it from the inside out, so to speak, or, or shift the course in the direction, or I can go in a different direction and, you know, kind of pursue, set things up and pursue it how I wanted to. Now, how did you kind of make that decision between the two, right? Because, I mean, you could have gone either way. You could have tried to change it from the inside out or just, you know, start or, you know, start over, so to speak. And, and what was kind of that, you know, progression or how did you decide to make that uh, decision? Well, it wasn't my, my decision to make it, actually. The, I was not the owner of the company. I was mm -hmm. the president of the company and, and, but I was not the owner of the company. And I mentioned my business plan to the owner and the owner of the company said, look, we're, we're doing great the way we are right now. And I don't really need to change the direction of the company. I don't want to change the direction of the company. And, um, you know, this is, this is my company and 
we're going the direction that I want to go. And, you know, it's his decision to make, and I had to honor that. So ultimately, mm. the, the question that I had to address was whether I wanted to become an entrepreneur and do it on my own, or whether I wanted to continue to follow somebody else's dream and, and make it happen for them. No, make makes sense. So you decide, okay, uh, you know, get or talk with the business. They're they're sitting there, and it it is their prerogative, right? It's their business. They can decide which direction they want to go, but it's not the direction that you wanted to head. So you say, okay, gonna go out, decide to go to the entrepreneurial path, do it on your own. Now, I think you did mention at one point you had to wait out a non compete, or that was uh, part of that period. So what did you do while you were waiting out the non compete? Did you just uh, take a a sabbatical and uh, or live uh, live up life or did you do other things or kind of what did you do as you were waiting to to take the entre entrepreneurial path yeah well i worked with a couple of companies that were outside the scope of the of the non-compete there were a couple of companies that were not uh doing the that were not covered under the non-compete that i could work with mm -hmm. uh and so i did a little bit of work outside the scope of the non-compete um and um so i did that and but largely I was, you know, it was, I would say 90% sabbatical and 10% just uh, doing a little bit of work on the side. And um, uh, actually my former employer um, actually had me do some work for him as well as part of the, the process, as part of the transition. And um, so we, um, you know, we initially parted on pretty good terms and um, uh, it worked out that it helped me to start the business. Well, sounds like it was a, a good transition and, uh, and and worked out well. So so now you wait out the nine compete, decide to go the entrepreneurial path, or go in a different direction than you know your former employer and and take a different tack. Now, how did that go? Did it was it just a rocket shift to the top, and you you know had more business and more money than you knew what to do with, or was it still figuring things out or evolving and kind of catches up? Kind of how that went as, as you decided to to go out on your own. Well, it was, it was not a rocket ship to the top. Uh, I think like most new entrepreneurs, you, you go through your initial struggles. I, you know, I started out working out of my spare bedroom and, and the basement of my house was where I kept my copier because uh, there wasn't enough room in the bedroom for the copier and the desk. So it was, uh, it was a pretty small venture to start. It was myself for the first several months along with uh, one other person who helped me on the admin side. Uh, and then ultimately I brought on one other person to help um, uh, with some of the operations manuals. One of the things we do for our clients is to develop operations manuals and training programs. And I brought somebody else on who was capable of doing that. But then the, the real, I think the rocket fuel that sort of got us to take off was came a couple of years later when I was able to recruit Dave Hood um, to become the president of the company. Uh, Dave was the somebody that I had known for many years and uh, was the former president of Auntie Anne's Pretzels. Uh, he had just had finished growing Auntie Anne's Pretzels from six units to 650 domestic units and another 100 international units. And they had just sold the company. And Dave was looking for something to do. And I said, Dave, come to work for me. You'll be doing something different every day. You'll you'll We'll have a lot of fun doing this, and and somehow I managed to convince him to do it. I gave him I gave him half the company. It was the best decision I ever made. Uh, I did, you know, it wasn't uh, like we bargained about it. It was there was, uh, and we've never had a uh, an argument in the the twenty five years that we've been together since. Uh, it's been the best partnership I could ever ask for. That's and, awesome. 
the, the fact that he had that kind of credibility in the franchise marketplace, it was exactly what I needed for my business model. It was sort of the start of sort of my plan, which was bringing people that have been there and done it so that when it comes time to talk to a franchise prospect who wants to get into franchising or a franchisor who's already franchising, I've got somebody who's been there and done it. And I, as opposed to sort of the bright eyed, bushy tailed young MBA who, you know, may have the best intentions, but doesn't have the experience to back up uh, necessarily everything they're saying. And so we started with that and then we began a, recruiting more aggressively and bringing on more and more people to do the the kind of work that we were doing. And, but Dave was really the impetus, I think, for the success of the company. And um, because we had that kind of experience, we were able to have some very early success stories with some of our clients and the success stories of our clients really propelled us to that next level. So we put together the franchise program, for example, for Massage Envy. They had one unit when they started with us today, they've got 1600 locations. Um, we put those guys together and when people saw what we did for them, that was another thing that people said, well, look, if you can do that for, for these guys and all they had was one location, um, you know, maybe you can do something like that for me. And we, we, there's a lot more stories like that that I could go into, but I'm sure you've got limited time here. But that's the kind of, you know, when you have successful clients, successful clients is what, what breeds that sort of uh, faith that people have in you. When you have, mm. you know, clients are saying great things about you. John Leonicio actually was the president of Massage Envy, ended up writing the foreword to my first book and talked about how his experience with us is what essentially helped him launch that brand. And he subsequently has gotten into four different new franchises that he's launched and all of them been successful. Oh, that's awesome. And I said, there is there, it is hard to substitute, uh, substitute success. You know, in other words, if you have a track record of success, you can show what you've done for others. It uh, certainly is uh, something that uh, lends uh, a lot of credibility to you and, uh, and, and can be uh, definitely helpful to business. So it sounds like bringing on the partner, getting that success, and then also just continuing to build the success or the business with more and more success definitely gives you that uh, snowball effect and allows you to, you know, reach new audiences and, and really to, to grow the business. So, so now catch us up a little bit where you're at today. Business is still going, still helping franchises, still growing, looking to expand, looking to shrink, looking to keep where you're at or kind of where, where are things at today? Today, we're, we're, we're the number one rated franchise consulting firm in the world. Uh, Entrepreneur Magazine, which is completely independent of us, does an annual poll where they will reach out to all the franchisors in North America. And they say, who is the best franchise consulting firm out there? And they rate them from, you know, some years it's one to 10, some years it's one to 15. They've done this four years in a row. They've, over the course of this time, they've, they've surveyed several thousand franchisors. And in each of the four years they've done this poll, the iFranchise Group was rated the number one franchise consulting firm um, by these in, in this independent poll. And there have been other people that have been rated, you know, two through 10, two through 15, but we've never rated below number one in that, uh, in that poll. Uh, we've since that time we've also developed a company called top bar media uh, which is a franchise marketing firm that does franchise seo franchise public relations they they help companies to develop websites they will help companies with their franchise lead generation efforts 
We've also developed an international division, uh, which uh, and have opened up an office in Dubai, where we help companies in the Middle East to franchise. And so we're we're actively growing the business. Um, 2022 is our best year. Uh, we are looking to continue to expand this year, and uh, we are uh, looking at uh, perhaps some additional um, uh, vertical uh, or horizontal uh, uh, integration into some other areas. No, that's awesome. Sounds like definitely uh, it's great to have uh, that ongoing growth and uh, continued expansion and be able to, to help even more uh, businesses along their journey to success. So it sounds like a, a great place to be. So, well, now as we've reached kind of the, the present day of your journey and seeing a bit where you're or where you're headed, um, great time to transition to the two questions I always ask at the end of each episode. So we'll jump to those now. So the first question I always ask is along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? What'd you learn from it? Well, you know, I think that, you know, there have been a number of bad decisions that I've made. Um, but the, if I were going to say the, um, the worst business decision that I've made, uh, probably the worst business decision that I've made is, is trying to, to make things work that sort of weren't, um, weren't going to work. Uh, and that can, you know, I, I think I, you know, probably stayed at the other company too long. I should have made the move a little bit sooner uh, and trusted my instinct that I was going in the right direction. Uh, and I think there have been other uh, instances where I've had people on my team where I've tried to, where I realized they weren't a good fit. And I wanted to try and, you know, I, I didn't want to be the bad guy and to, to, to tell these guys, look, you're not a fit, you got to go. Uh, and uh, sometimes the best thing you can do for people is to tell them that they're not a fit and to have them leave sooner rather than later. I, I think that, you know, in the, you know, in the name of quality, sometimes you have to hurt some, some feelings and, and um, it's a hard lesson to learn because it's never, it's never an easy thing to do to fire somebody or to get rid of somebody. But sometimes you have to make that decision and, um, uh, that delaying no. that decision is, is can be very difficult. No, and I think that, you know, that's one that it, it can be hard because even whether it's turning down clients and you're saying, hey, you're just not the right fit or we can't help you or, you know, and it can be sometimes to your point, it can be nice in the long run or it can be kind in the long run. And yet on the short run, they're wanting to have your help. They're wanting your expertise or wanting to do that. And same thing, even with, you know, within internally within your company is, you know, sometimes it's not the best thing to keep people on or, or keep them, you know, or move or keep them within the company because it's not the right fit for them or it's not where they're going to flourish or grow or otherwise be successful so but it's always one where you have that kind of that uh tug and pull of of what you what you should do and, and what you end up or what you need to do so that's uh definitely a, a great uh, mistake to learn from yeah second question now that i always ask is now if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them the one piece of advice i'd give anybody is to make sure that you focus on quality uh, and to make sure that your clients are happy. Uh, I think in today's world, the quality that you deliver is, is the, the absolute most important thing that you can do because your reputation, not only is it going to be made from word of mouth, it's gonna be made from word of internet and it's gonna be up there, it's gonna be out there forever. And if you, know, if you say something and your client thinks you said something else, 
Hmm. You want to do everything you can to satisfy that client, even if it's going to cost you a little bit more money, even if it's going to eat into your margin, you need to make sure that you've got a, a happy and a satisfied client. And sometimes, um, sometimes that's going to mean that your margin is going to suffer a little bit because of it. But the most important thing is happy, satisfied clients in today's world. If you want to, uh, if you want to make sure that you are going to be successful, make your clients happy, make them successful, and everything else will follow. If you have clients who are unhappy and unsuccessful, I can pretty much guarantee you a failing business. Yep, it's hard to hard to keep a business going with unhappy and un, 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 or unsuccessful clients. Now you can sometimes get away with it in the short run, take advantage of people, you know, right. or, or not let them know. But I, I totally agree that if you're building a business that you want to have be lasting and be successful, you need to take care of the clients. And to your point, sometimes it's you eat crow, even though it's not your it's even though it's not your fault. Sometimes you make it up. Sometimes you take the lower margin, and sometimes you have to adjust things so that you can continue to build and grow the reputation and the relationships and the business as opposed to sometimes that that short-term game so that's a a great takeaway well now as we as we wrap up the episode if people want to reach out to you they want to be a customer they want to be a client they want to be an employee they want to be an investor they want to be your next best friend any or all of the above what's the best way to reach out to you contact you find out more well our website is ifranchisegroup.com it's small i with the word franchise and the word group.com uh, if they go there, they can get uh, uh, access to a lot of information. We have our book there. We have uh, uh, we have a lot of different articles on franchising there. They can certainly reach out to us there. Uh, they can write to us at info at ifranchisegroup.com as well. Uh, they can call us, um, you know, so however they want to reach out to us, the, usually the website is usually the, the starting point for them, ifranchisegroup.com. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out, support a great business. If you have a franchise, make a great connection. And if nothing else, uh, make a new best friend. So with that, thank you again, Mark, for coming on the podcast. It's been fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you listeners that are out there, if you have your own journey to share and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. So just go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show. A couple more things as listeners, make sure to click share, subscribe, leave us a review. Helps us to reach even more startups and small businesses to help them along their journey to success. And on that note, if you ever need help with the, along your journey with patents, trademarks, or anything else with your startup or your small business, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. We're always here to help. Well, thank you again, Mark, and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you so much. It was nice talking to you, Devin.